in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus seemed to have everything. He was powerful, he was highly respected, he held an important political office. In today's society, Nicodemus would have been a well-educated senator, respected by people on both sides of the aisle. However, despite all the trappings of success, there was something that Nicodemus was searching for. And he heard about a rabbi, a teacher, who taught with authority and who cured the sick and who spent time with the helpless and who proclaimed God's nearness with all of us. So Nicodemus went to see Jesus. But there's an important fact in today's gospel reading that I don't want you to miss. Nicodemus came to see Jesus by night. By night. That's an odd time to drop by for a visit. I'm hyper extroverted, but if someone I don't really know rings my doorbell at 10 p.m., I'm probably not going to invite them in. But Nicodemus came to see Jesus by night because he, would, he was worried about how others would perceive him spending time with this rabbi. He was worried about what others would think or what they'd say. It's kind of like the politician today avoiding the photo op with someone who has a questionable background. In short, Nicodemus didn't trust his community to see this interaction and continue to hold him in high regard. Nicodemus didn't trust the religious leaders, he didn't trust the political elite, he didn't trust his neighbors, Nicodemus didn't trust. And this morning, for me standing here, it would be easy for me to say, we all should trust more, our society should be more trusting, and then, and then for me to just sit down. But for various reasons, we are reluctant to trust others, and other people are reluctant to trust us. So I want us to think about trust this morning in two dimensions. First, why are we reluctant to trust others? And is it worth overcoming these obstacles to, to be more trusting? And second, how can we become people who others know they can trust? In other words, how do we trust others more? How do we help others trust us more? There was an interesting study conducted early last year which surveyed over 22,000 people in 30 countries. And these people were asked, first of all, about their interpersonal trust, how much they trusted those around them. And second of all, they were asked how happy they were. And it turns out you can map in a linear relationship how countries fall along this line. Countries that are filled with people who trust their neighbors are very happy, and countries that are filled with people who don't trust their neighbors are very unhappy. The United States falls in about the middle of this pack. The biggest outlier is um, the country that doesn't follow this relationship is France, where people are blissfully happy but no one trusts each other. <laughs> I'll leave that. 
But here's, here's my point. While correlation doesn't mean causation, so it's not clear if trusting people are happy or if happy people are trusting, this study nonetheless underscores the fact that we should be asking these questions about trust not only for ourselves, but for the health of our society. How do we trust others? How do we help others trust us? Abraham, although he's still called Abram in the passage we heard today, was called to have an extraordinary level of trust in God. In the passage we heard a few minutes ago, we read, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Notice that God is not telling Abraham where he's going. God will show him where he's going in the future tense. God is saying, pack up your U-Haul, go to the end of the driveway, and then I'll tell you the first turn, just the first turn to make in your journey, in this life-changing journey. God's not letting Abraham peek at the map. God is calling Abraham to have great, great trust. However, if you think about this story from Abraham's perspective, it's not a foregone conclusion that Abraham would trust God. After all, God is calling Abraham to leave behind safety and stability and relationships. And God even acknowledges the sacrifice this trust will require in God's call. God said, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house. In other words, leave all this behind. You see, trust costs something. Trust isn't free. In order to trust God, Abraham would need to leave behind all this safety and security. And frankly, when you and I are called to trust, we also must give up some safety. We also must give up a little bit of our security. For example, when God calls us to be generous with our money and we give some away, we are trusting that we can get by on a little less. Or if we're in a small group and we share something very private with those around us, we're trusting that they're not going to go gossip about it. You see, trust is expensive. Trust almost always carries some risk. And that's why so many of us struggle to trust others. And frankly, that may cause us to give up on trust as an enterprise in general. But what if Abraham hadn't trusted? What if Abraham hadn't trusted God? Abraham could have said, God, that's a really nice offer to go to this foreign land, but you're not giving me a lot of information to work with. And frankly, life's going pretty well for me here. I've got good financial security. I've got good family support. My livestock, my herds are growing. I've got a dung pile that can, that can fertilize about a dozen acres of new land that I'm going to plant in. I'm pretty happy, Abraham could have said. So nice offer, but I'm going to pass, God. But if Abraham had done that, God's people wouldn't have arrived at the land that God had called them to. And Abraham wouldn't have fulfilled the mission that we read about in the passage today, to bless the people of the world. You see, 
Trust requires us to take a risk. And to circle back to the first question, is trust worth the risk it requires? For Abraham, it certainly was worth taking the risk of trusting. But turning to the second question, how can we help others trust us more? How can we develop an environment that will foster and promote trust? When God called Abraham, it's easy to imagine him setting out on this journey without his young traveling companion, Lot. After all, our reading today tells us that Abraham told Lot about God's call. That's significant. Lot didn't hear God's call. Lot didn't hear behind, the, or didn't hear this call to leave behind his homeland. So why did this young man, this young person, Lot, travel with Abraham? Lot's trust of Abraham didn't appear out of thin air. And as a matter of fact, as we read through the story of Abraham and Lot, we can see three key actions that Abraham took that built up trust with Lot. First, Abraham showed Lot generosity and love and kindness. Lot was the son, not of Abraham, but Lot was the son of Haran. But when Haran died unexpectedly, Lot's future became very unclear. Would Lot's family abandon him? Would they forget about him? Or maybe worse, would they sell him into slavery? Instead, Lot was taken in by his uncle, by Abraham. Think about what a relief that must have been for this young boy. A future that was so uncertain now had some stability. And because of Abraham's generosity, Lot began to trust his uncle. And the same is true of us. One of the keys to building trust with others is showing them kindness and love and generosity. People won't, tell, won't trust you if you only care about me, myself, and I. You can't build trust in a marriage if you only selfishly think about your own needs all the time. You can't build trust in a friendship if you see other people as steps in a social ladder. In order to build trust, you must be generous towards others. Second, Lot began to trust Abraham because he was consistent. He was consistent in his love and his generosity. This was not a one-time act of generosity for a grieving nephew. When Abraham was called to go on this journey to a new land, he knew that taking a child with him would add a further burden, another mouth to feed. Moreover, having recently traveled with a young child, I'm sure it was a nightmare for Abraham to get Lot through TSA, and then to keep him happy and distracted on the flight, and then to, to, to not bother his neighbors too much. But Abraham, nonetheless, was consistent in his love and generosity further building up this trust that Lot had. And third of all, Abraham developed trust with Lot 
slowly, gradually, over a long period of time. You see, trust is not built overnight. Years later, when shepherds working for Abraham and Lot began to fight over who would graze their livestock in the most fertile lands, Abraham went to Lot and said that Lot could choose the land he wanted and Abraham would take whatever was left over. Abraham invested in this relationship again and again over the long term, thereby building this environment of trust. And frankly, Abraham provides a model for how you and I can build trust also. For example, if you're participating in a small group this Lent, you can take these same three actions following the examples of Abraham to build trust in your group. First, you can show kindness and love towards those you're meeting with. Let others have a chance to talk. Maintain confidentiality. Offer to pray for others and then actually do it. Second, you can build trust through consistency. You can't be generous one day and selfish the next and expect that to engender trust. And third of all, you should prepare for the long haul. Building deep and lasting trust takes time. Trust is prepared in an oven, not a microwave. And this formula applies to all the relationships in our lives where we want to build trust. First, be generous. Second, be consistent. Third, be in it for the long haul. When you came into church today, you might have noticed a, a bird flying around up in the rafters. We didn't place it there, it flew in on its own. When I was kneeling here at the prayer desk to, to say the confession, I had my eyes closed and I was, I was praying for, for forgiveness for my sins when suddenly I felt something on my hand and I looked down, the bird had landed on my hand. And what struck me immediately was Jesus saying, be like the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. In other words, don't worry so much. Trust, trust, trust God, trust your neighbor, build communities of trust. When Nicodemus first came to see Jesus, he came by night because he didn't trust his own community. And Nicodemus left in what seems like an unresolved, sad sort of anti-conclusion. But if you keep reading through John's Gospel, Nicodemus reappears. He appears again in the seventh chapter of John's Gospel with the Jewish leaders who were debating the actions of Jesus. In other words, Nicodemus is still aware of, of Jesus' life and his actions. He is seeing how Jesus is showing love and generosity consistently over the long term, maybe even over a period of years. And it seems like Nicodemus may be beginning to trust Jesus. And then, when Jesus dies, and Joseph of Arimathea takes his own tomb to give for the body of Jesus, John's Gospel records that Nicodemus showed up again to help lay Jesus' body in the tomb. 
Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrhs and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus. You see, Nicodemus first came to Jesus by night, but by the end of the life of Jesus, even when there was risk to his public reputation, Nicodemus is willing to make a public demonstration and statement of his trust in Christ. He trusts that God is at work. He trusts in the community of Jesus. He trusts in the, in the body of Christ, and his trust transforms him. Abraham took the risk of trusting God, walking away from his home, his family, his security, his safety, his financial well-being, and in doing so, he set out on this journey that God had prepared him for, and he took actions that would, in the words of the reading today, bless the world. And Lot, Abraham's nephew, learned to trust because of his uncle's actions, because Abraham showed love and generosity, because Abraham was consistent, because Abraham was in it for the long haul. And we're called to do the same. We're called to practice trusting others, even when that means taking a risk or giving up a little of our security. And we're called to help others be trust, um, trust us. We're called to be trustworthy people by being kind, by being consistent, by being in it for the long term. You see, if God is calling us to build up the kingdom of God here and now, and if God is calling us to spend this life practicing for the kingdom of heaven, and if God is calling us to embody Christ in all we do, then one of the foundations that we must lay together is a foundation of trust. Trust. Amen.